Welcome to Warehouse Church. It is so good to have you guys with us, um, and what a blessing it is just to be able to be able to worship together. Thank you, worship team. Few in numbers today, but the spirit was moving. Thank you guys so much for leading us today, uh, and always continue to lead us so faithfully at this church. So, uh, we're going to jump right in today because I'm, I'm anxious, ready to get started. Anxious is probably not the best term for, for me to be right now, but anyway. For the past several months, um, I've had this series on my mind that, that I thought we were going to start today. Um, and it's, it, it's something that I felt probably three, four months ago that I felt like God was where we were going to be at this moment in the life of the church. And, um, and so I had it on my mind, you know, had all four weeks kind of planned out, all four sermons. Uh, we had already planned out music. We already had all the graphics ready. We had all this series planned out. Um, and it was going to be about uh, the things that go through and we go through in our minds, like the war, the battle that we, we have in our minds on a daily basis. Everything was ready. The sermons were planned out. Um, last weekend, probably around Saturday afternoon, I felt God start to move and do something different. And that's the worst thing for any of our creative folks that work, uh, that serve on our creative team. When they hear the pastor say, hey, I think God's doing something different, automatically everybody just kind of takes a deep breath. What are we doing? What are we doing? Because we have these things planned out for a purpose. We want to do everything for the glory of the Lord. But last weekend around Saturday afternoon, I, I just felt God was saying something different. I just felt like he was, was moving us in a different direction. I felt like in the life of the church, that our church body was, was in a different place than where I expected us to be at this particular time. As I looked around um, the church, I, I saw all kinds of different situations. It's something that I really wasn't expecting at the time. And so we changed it all. We changed the whole series and thank God for it because he moves and he speaks and and we listen. So the, the title of this series is Anxious for Nothing. I hope it speaks to you. As I looked around the church, it felt like that, that we were in a different kind of moment. And, and so um, with the rising COVID cases, uh, your kiddos going back to school, some of them locally, some of them further away. Um, many of you probably have loved ones or at least someone that you know that's in the hospital right now due to a COVID-related illness, um, received terrible health news in the past couple of weeks. Your businesses are struggling because you can't keep employees. You have financial strains, um, emotional strains, spiritual straining. Uh, sometimes it can all just feel like way too much. So I asked the question today, do you feel that? Can you? It's almost palpable. In some instances, you can almost feel it like a heavy weight on your shoulders. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a, a scripture in the book of Philippians. We're going to read it over and over. I'm going to share some stories relating to this scripture. I'm going to share some other scriptures that kind of drive home the point. But my hope is that through this series, that God will speak to each of us and calm our hearts, calm our spirits. And draw us close to him. I'm going to ask you to do something different. I don't normally ask you to do. But I want to ask you to stand as we read this scripture today. Can you all just kind of stand with me? The Apostle Paul wrote these verses. And what Paul wanted, if you know anything about Paul, what Paul wanted more than anything was to go and preach the gospel in Rome. 
Like that's what his heart desired more than absolutely anything. But instead of going to preach the gospel in Rome, guess what? Paul found himself chained up in a prison in Rome 24-7. And so he found himself in this situation where he didn't know when he was going to be released. He didn't even know if he was going to live or die. But he was in Rome. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he is chained in prison, he wrote these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, Paul. If I didn't say it clear the first time, Paul says, I'm going to pin these words again. Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. He goes on to say, the Lord is what? One more time. The Lord is near. He goes on to say, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, instead, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. By prayer and petition, I got a little mixed up. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we give it to you, Lord. God, I believe that you've called me in this moment and you've called our church in this moment to talk about these things. And God, I believe that as I look around this room or anyone that's watching online, I know that our hearts are anxious about the uncertainties of life, what's going on in our world today, what's going on in our community, what's going on in our families. And I pray, God, that you'll allow these scriptures, your words, God, your, your, your words that you breathed into existence to penetrate our hearts and transform us, God. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Let me be super, as if I'm not always anyway, let me be really transparent with you guys. Um, I'm feeling a little bit anxious as well. I don't know if you can tell that right now, but I'm feeling a little bit anxious as well. I'm not immune to feeling anxiety. As a matter of fact, sometimes it comes over me, just comes over me and it, it takes control. Um, and in this season, there's no question, it's been hard to fight off. It's been hard to relax and just kind of just be in the presence of God. Um, as many of you know, my family is in a season of transition. Um, where we're going and what ministry that we're ultimately going to be involved with is not certain yet. And I have some opportunities that we've been prayerfully considering, but um, the uncertainty of it all is overwhelming at times. We're still seeking God and we're still seeking the Lord to, to figure out which opportunity is best um, but with this uncertainty, the, next, the uncertainty of the next steps that we're going to be taking, I feel very anxious at times. Last week, a good friend of mine received a really terrible health report, and my heart breaks for him uh, and his family, and it's hard to think about. COVID is around us so uh, abundantly. Many people close to my family are struggling right now. As a matter of fact, we just... Taylor, uh, some of Taylor's family members are in ICU right now uh, on a ventilator right now because of COVID-related uh, illness. And it's just all around us. I had a friend of mine in the past couple months, his dad passed away because of COVID-related illness. It's all around us. There's so much going on around me at this moment. And I, I can only share about me. You have your own stories. You may not know this about us, but Taylor and I, we've been going through classes over the past few months 
uh, for adoption. I'm sorry, for foster care. And so when Stephen Bell was here back in the spring, uh, he shared about foster care and kind of kind of pushed us all to really consider uh, foster care. And Taylor and I had already been considering it for a while. And so we called the, the lady up the next day, the caseworker, and said, hey, we want to start the classes. So we started classes, I think it was probably in May, uh, when we started the classes to, to be foster parents. And so we've been doing this for a while. But on Tuesday, we received two very important phone calls. Tuesday morning, we received a phone call from our caseworker that we are officially home study approved, which means that they can begin to place kids uh, that are in need of homes into our home. And so that was a huge uh, that was a huge moment for us. We've been going through this for a while, and so we are home study approved, and we can start taking in foster care uh, children um, as needed. On Tuesday evening, we received another phone call. This was a call from another caseworker that wasn't the same, of course. And I can't get into all the details yet. I can't talk about publicly all of the details yet. But we've been asked asked to adopt again. Our family of four will soon become a family of five in in March of next year. And so, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, To some people, that's new news. I think my mom is surprised. I'm like, Mom, we talked about this. So (laughs) I, I heard a gasp from the front row. I'm like... You know this. Um, Anyway, (laughs) we are super, 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 super excited about this opportunity. There's no question. Like, this is far beyond anything that we would have ever imagined. Isn't that how amazing God is, right? Far beyond anything we could ever imagine. But at the same time, we haven't even fully processed the circumstances and the feelings that we had to deal with around Elena's adoption. We haven't even fully got through all of that. Uh, happening at this time. And on top of all that, a private adoption in the United States is unexplainably expensive, like ridiculously expensive, like to the tune of thirty dollars to $50,000 expensive, ridiculously expensive. We're not prepared for that. <laughs> We're not anywhere near prepared for that. So the anxiety started to creep in. As soon as I heard I was excited for a brief moment, like, this is amazing. And then the anxiety started to creep in. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to pay for this? How is this all going to happen? The question I have is, did you notice what God did there? God knows all things, right? Last weekend, around Saturday evening or Saturday afternoon, God began dealing with me. Hey, I think you probably need to be reading scriptures about being anxious. I think you probably need to be thinking about my peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you see what he did? Like before I even knew what was going on, God began preparing my heart for the news that he was going to be expanding our family. He knew what was getting ready to happen in my life. He knew that I needed his peace. He knew that I needed, that, that, that we all needed his peace. And so he said to to me, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And so is that even possible? I guess is the question I have for you guys today. Is it possible to be anxious for nothing? Like if you've got this figured out, like if you know the the, the magic mix uh, to be anxious for nothing, man, come on up here. Would you help me today? Because I need some help. 
Like, is it possible to be anxious for nothing? Generation Z or Gen Z, the generation that's in high school and college right now, statistics show that 91% of Gen Zers have significant stress in their lives. Can I get an amen from any of our college students? No. Okay, great. No stress. Test. That's a lie. Anyway, um, <laughs> adults, you know, if you're an adult here today, adults are wondering if they're going to keep their job. They're wondering how they're going to pay their bills. They're wondering if their marriage is going to last. They're wondering if they're, they're, how they're going to buy their kids' clothes uh, for the school year that's coming up or shoes. Is it even possible to be anxious for nothing? What I want to do today is share a story from the Old Testament. There's an Old Testament prophet that I want to share a story about today, and, and, and he may be like some of you guys. He may be like some of us. He really loved God, and even though he had seen the grace and the provision and, the, and all the amazing things that God had done in his life up to that point, there are moments that he was absolutely overwhelmed with anxiety. I want to show you his story today, and I, I wonder if you can relate. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elijah is on a mountaintop, like, like literally on a mountaintop. He's on Mount Carmel, where he experiences the power of God in an amazing way. The king, King Ahab at this time, he didn't like Elijah at all, and he wanted to kill him. And like he had been trying for a while to kill Elijah, uh, but the, the king just couldn't do it. He just couldn't make it happen himself. So the king sends all of his forces to Elijah. He sends 850 false prophets of Baal to Elijah. And, and Elijah calls down fire from heaven. And God delivers. And God literally shoots fire down from heaven that consumes the altar that they had built. And then God destroyed all 850 of the false prophets. Like, just like that. It was amazing. That's a mountaintop experience. Like when you can see God in such an amazing way like that, it's a mountaintop experience. But almost immediately after the mountaintop, almost immediately, we see Elijah in a wilderness feeling alone, desperate, depressed, hurt, and scared. You see what happened here is that, that Ahab, he had a pretty evil wife. And her name was Jezebel. Okay, and so Ahab had been trying to kill Elijah for so long that Jezebel, she was getting tired of it. She's like, if you can't do it, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands and I'll take care of him. And it was almost immediately when Elijah found out that this woman named Jezebel was after him, he was absolutely terrified. Guys, many of you all can probably relate to that. When your wife gets after you, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. Anyway, no, sorry. Just me? Okay. All right. So what was happening here is that she threatened to kill Elijah. She sent word to Elijah that by tomorrow, this time tomorrow, he would be dead. And after all that Elijah had experienced, after all the provisions, after all the goodness, after all the grace, after everything that God had done for him and through him and with him, when he heard that this woman wanted to kill him, he falls completely apart overwhelmed with anxiety. You're going to see him spiral into depression and anxiety that maybe some of you can relate to. I'm going to read you the story, and, and I want you to notice that four different mistakes that Elijah made, four different mistakes that he made when he had, uh, had, was overwhelmed and he had too much on his plate. And you may see yourself making these mistakes when you're feeling anxious. 
The Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 19. He said, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And then he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. How crazy is that, right? Notice how irrational that Elijah is. His biggest fear is that she's going to kill him. And so he decides to take his own life. Like, that's what he wants. Like, how irrational is this? And then he says this. He says, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. I've had enough. I guess my question is, is any, anybody here today feeling this way? God, I've had enough. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed and, and, and I don't know what to do. Elijah takes it a step further and he says, take my life, Lord. Like if this is the way it's going to be, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than my fathers. Some of you may be in that moment right now. Like some of you may be feeling like this right now. I've done all I can do, God. I've done it all and I can't take it anymore. I've tried and I've tried and I don't know what else to do. But in this moment, when Elijah is overwhelmed, he made four very big mistakes that maybe you and I can relate to. The first thing that we tend to do when we are overwhelmed is that we run ourselves into the ground. Like we, we run ourselves into the ground. Scripture says that Elijah ran to Beersheba. If you don't know anything about the geography of this particular place at this particular time, Beersheba was about 100 miles away from where Elijah was when he got the news that Jezebel was wanting to kill him. This guy ran for 100 miles, okay? Like he ran so far and so fast that he ran himself into the ground. Some of you are probably feeling that way right now. You've been running way too fast, way too hard for way too long. Like, I think what happened with us is like right out of the, the initial COVID, like when, when, when everything started to open back up last year, maybe earlier this year, like vaccine was on the, on the horizon and all that stuff and people just got like all excited. And so we thought we've been in the house for so long that we got to get back out and we got to do this, we got to do that. Everything's got to happen all, all this time. And then all these things started happening. COVID started happening again. Like we are just running so fast for so long and so hard that we run ourselves into the ground. Many of us haven't even processed the loneliness and the isolation and the problems that the first round of shutdown due to COVID brought us. Like I was having a conversation with someone last week and someone that I didn't know very well and, and they were asking me about some things or whatever and um, asking me what it was like to be a pastor when the initial shutdown happened in 2020. And, and I just started talking about it like I normally do. And all of a sudden I started crying and I didn't know why. I'm like, where did this come from? And I had to apologize multiple times. I'm like, I don't even know where this is coming from. But guys, we've been through a lot. I don't know if you've realized that or not, but we have been through something that none of us had ever been through before. And at times it's been really hard. I don't even know if we've processed it yet. But we just keep going and going 
and going. And we're going way too fast and way too hard for way too long. The second mistake that we see Elijah make that we typically make is we shut people out. Like this is a big one. We shut people out. He left his servant. The Bible said he left his servant. And he said to his trusted friend, hey, I don't need you anymore. I'm going to go do this thing on my own. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? He shut out the person that he trusted the most. That's one of the reasons that warehouse groups that we do on Wednesday nights here at the church, that's why they're so important. They're the heartbeat of this church. I don't know if you know this or not, but they're the heartbeat of this church. We need each other. We are better together. We absolutely need each other. The worst thing that we can do when we're feeling overwhelmed is shut people out. Like, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but, but I know that God is talking to someone in this room today. The worst thing you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed is begin to shut people out. The third mistake that we see that, that, that Elijah makes that we typically make is we focus on the negative. Like, did you notice in, in the scripture, like, Elijah started talking about, like, I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than my fathers. I've had enough. I'm no better, better than any of them. My life is so hard. I can never do anything right. I can never get ahead. Everyone around me is always prospering while I'm over here struggling to take a breath and, and, and to, to doggy pedal so that I can keep my head above water. I don't like my job. We're always going to be broke. We're never going to be happy. Like, he started focusing on the negative. Like, forget all this amazing stuff that God just did for him, right? He started focusing on all the negative, like, poor, poor, pitiful me. Is it Chicken Little? Is that an old cartoon, The Sky's Falling? Is that, do y'all remember that? Like, that's us. That's us most of the time. Like, poor, pitiful me. Look at all my problems. Which leads us to number four. The fourth mistake, that perhaps the biggest mistake of all, is that we forget God. We forget God. What's crazy is that every step of Elijah's life, like literally every single step that he took, God was right there with him. Every single time that, that Elijah needed God, every situation, God was right there. He provided every single time. He protected Every single time. Yet in this moment, when Elijah felt so overwhelmed, he forgot that God had brought him through everything that he had been through in his past. He was facing his problems while forgetting his God. And I have to ask the question today, do we do this? Like, do you do this? I'm not insinuating anything. Only you and the Holy Spirit know the answer to this. But when the problem arises, what's the first thing you think of? What's, the, what's your go-to? When a problem arises, what's your go-to? Oh, man, this is happening to me all the time. I can never get ahead. I'm broke. I don't know where the money's going to come from. He was facing his problems while forgetting his God. And this is crazy to me because in his name alone, the name Elijah, in his name alone, should have been enough to comfort him in the middle of his anxiety. You know why? Because his name Elijah, the name Elijah literally means my God is Yahweh. My God is the very breath that I breathe. Like my God is my sustainer. My God is my strength. 
My God is my provider. My God is everything that I absolutely possibly could ever need. And yet knowing that his God is near. Yet knowing that his God is his very sustainer. When he felt the most overwhelmed, he fell apart. And he forgot God. What did God do when Elijah fell apart? This is really cool, right? I love what God doesn't do when Elijah falls apart and he feels overwhelmed. God doesn't preach him a sermon and say, you of little faith, look what you've done. Look at you. You've made a mess of your life. He doesn't scold him. He doesn't blame him. He doesn't give him 10 verses to to memorize and say, where's your faith? He doesn't do that at all. You know what God does? He meets Elijah where he is. He gets down on Elijah's level. And he meets him exactly where he is. Check out what the Lord does here. After Elijah's been through all that he's been through, here's what God does. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And Elijah's thinking, surely the Lord's in that. Surely the Lord's in that. The Lord is in the wind. The Lord is so powerful. Scripture goes on to say, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. And Elijah thought, surely God is in the earthquake. The mountains shook. No God, no no doubt God made the mountains rumble. He must be there. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there became a fire. And Elijah thought, surely God's in the fire. Look how amazing and huge and massive this fire is. But the Lord wasn't in the fire either. And the Bible says this, and after the fire came, a gentle whisper. The ground shook. The wind raged. And the fire burned, but God wasn't in any of those things. Because God wasn't in the remarkable. God was in the ordinary whisper. He was in the whisper. Why is it that when life is so difficult, God chooses to whisper to us? Why is it that when things are so hard, and you look out and you think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? That's when God's voice is so quiet and so soft, so gentle. Why is his voice so still and so small? If he wants us to hear them, why doesn't he stand up on the mountaintop and proclaim his voice? 
and speak loud. If he wants us to know him and, and to hear him, why does he whisper? God whispers because he's close. God whispers because he's right beside of you. He whispers because he's near. His voice is soft. The shepherd speaks and the sheep know his voice. He whispers because he's near. The devil shouts lies from a distance. But God whispers truth because he's right beside of you. When you don't want to be afraid, what do you do? When you're afraid, what do you do? Where do you want to be when there's a storm going on in your life? When Lincoln and Elena are afraid, the first thing they do is they run and they jump in the bed with mom and dad. Or they jump on the couch. Or they jump in the recliner, wherever mom and dad are. They always crawl up beside of us. And they know that we're always going to keep them safe. No matter what. We're always... There's just something about being near your mom and your dad that makes everything better. You want to be close to the ones that you feel so safe with. And as their mom and dad, that's exactly where I want them to be when they feel scared. We want to be near them so much so that they don't feel afraid and they don't feel scared anymore. They don't feel anxious. Listen to me, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of the anxiety that you're feeling, you don't have to run to God because He's already near. He's right beside of you. He doesn't whisper because He's near. After I received the news about our adoption situation, I was overwhelmed. Taylor was nervous for me because I went out on the porch and I just sat out on the the rocker out on the porch and I was just glaring out into the into the yard for what felt like an hour. I just was overwhelmed. I was just feeling so overwhelmed. I sat there thinking, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna pay for this adoption? But I knew I couldn't stay there in that moment. I knew I had to get up and I knew I had to move. I knew I had to stop worrying. I knew I had to stop questioning. I knew that God brought us to it, so God's going to bring us through it. So we left, and guess where we went? We went to my mom and dad's. shared our news with them I felt better I woke up Wednesday morning and I felt better I had lunch with a really good friend on Wednesday afternoon I felt better God can do this God can totally do this I'm sorry I've got to compose myself I apologize you don't know the rest of Elijah's story it's pretty amazing it's kind of funny as well his greatest fear you know what his greatest fear was his greatest fear was dying he didn't want to die 
later on in the story, he was walking on a path with his protege, Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. And you know what God does? Like, this is how God works. <clears throat> he sends a chariot from heaven and sweeps down and literally takes Elijah off the face of the earth. He never had to taste physical death like we will. That was his greatest fear and God came through. <clears throat> the thing that he feared the most never happened. And you could say, honestly, I've been building up to this all day, but you could say that he was anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. I came to tell someone here today that the vast majority of what you're worrying about will probably never happen. The vast majority of what you're concerned and anxious about will probably never happen. Therefore, you're anxious for nothing. And you know, sometimes it does happen. Sometimes what you're worrying about does happen. But it's nowhere near as bad as what you expected, right? It doesn't work out that way. So we were anxious for nothing. And sometimes in our lives, sometimes in our lives things happen and, and they're bad. They're really bad. Much worse than you ever imagined. But the goodness of God always carries us through. The grace of God is always carrying us through. He's always faithful. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is our very breath. He is our strength. And that's why the Apostle Paul, when he's chained to a Roman guard, not knowing if he's going to live or die, that's why he can pin these words. Be anxious for nothing. Instead, rejoice always. He said it again. He said, rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, bring your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds and your souls in Christ Jesus. There's no storm that Christ won't bring you through. And there's no obstacle that he won't help you overcome. Anxious for nothing. Would you stand with me? Father God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, Lord. God, when our hearts are overwhelmed and burdened by the things of this world, God, that you come in and you speak to us in a still, small voice. You speak to our hearts and you let us know that you are near. You are here. And so, God, I pray that all of us in this room and anyone watching online right now, God, Father, that, that in this moment, you speak. You calm our hearts with the peace that transcends all understanding. Let us know and believe with everything inside of us that you're in control.
we love you, God. In Jesus' name. If there's anyone in the room today that your heart is heavy, I invite you to come to the altar and lay your burdens down here. I invite you to pray from your seat. I invite you to just allow God to take the burden because he bears our burdens. In this moment and forever, don't be anxious for anything.